You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Make it 25. And now nine makes as Gordon drills it. Largest lead of the night for Houston. Harden pops for three and hits. Right, but what's next for him? Well, it's defense. Paul trains at three. He's getting tonight. Wow, Chris Paul is playing lights out right now. Gonna fire away again and knock it down again. He's made all five. I mean, it doesn't, none of it makes sense to me. If Paul hits another one. Those highlights courtesy of ESPN. It's hour two of Mackie and Judd with Rami. I'm the Rami part of that equation along with Judd Zolgad, Phil Mackie. Get in on the show, 651 651- 646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. We're also streaming live at twitch.tv slash Score North. That's S-K-O-R North. You can comment there as well. We'll wrap with Royce at 540. The subject of Ryan Saunders and whether or not he should be the uh, the permanent head coach of the Timberwolves has been an ongoing discussion here on Mac and Judd and throughout the, uh, the Score North uh, universe, if you will. A piece by Britt Robson at uh, theathletic.com, the glaring cracks in the Timberwolves' end-of-season evaluation process. And it's not entirely focused on Ryan Saunders, but they he had some pretty damning comments about Ryan Saunders yeah. and, the, and the job that he's done as the head coach of the Wolves. And when, when he finally gets to Saunders, the paragraph is entitled, The Soft Hugs of Ryan Saunders. And says, Saunders' refusal to be punitive with Wiggins' playing time currently stands as the most formidable argument against retaining him as the head coach next season. Logic says that if Wiggins would change his spots and ramp up his mental and physical rigor for anyone, it would be Ryan, his earliest mentor and off-court friend. For that reason, when Saunders took over for Thibodeau as the interim coach in early January, it made sense that motivating Wiggins to improvement would be the largest marker he could lay down on his behalf. Saunders' strategy has been the opposite of tough love. Let's call it a soft hug. And then he talks about what he calls illogical rotations, the title of the next paragraph, and says, For most of his 10 weeks on the job, Saunders has shown an appealing willingness to deepen his bench, uncovering hidden talents and spot usages ignored by Thibodeau. This inclusivity, along with his positive communication skills, are appropriately the first things cited by the pro-Saunders crowd in the fan base when arguing that he should be retained as head coach next season. But the loss in Utah on Thursday was the most tangible sign yet that Saunders may be overdoing the lineup juggling to the point where it at, where it at, at cross purposes with the team's long term development. For example, why in the world did Jared Bayless log more first half minutes than anyone on the team? And he talks yeah. about a few other inconsistencies in the rotations as well. Yeah, it's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. And I would when you were reading some of this stuff to us earlier in the day, my first thought was that two things can be true. And we have to, we, we it, you've got to remove the Minnesota connection and the, uh, and the Flip Saunders connection as much as you can here. I, it, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, 
Because if you can bring a guy in and he's super popular and that puts butts in seats and he's a good coach, like those things all do matter. But I think it's possible two things are true and independent of one another. Thing number one is at some point, Ryan Saunders is going to be a head coach in the NBA without the interim label. He's already getting a taste of it. He's got the Saunders bloodlines. He's clearly wise beyond his years. You know, I don't, I don't, yes, he got this job in part because his name is Ryan Saunders, but there's also a large part of it that he's paid his dues and he has the respect of a lot of smart people in the league. So whether it's with the Timberwolves or somewhere else, he's going to be a head coach at some point, whether it's this year or in 10 years, he's going to get his shot to to take a swing at it. But is it also possible to say the second thing, which is there's almost certainly a better option out there to take advantage of Carl Anthony Towns' prime years, a better coaching option, right? If you were, you're going to rank all the available potential coaching candidates that had some interest in this job, and you were to stack them up next to Ryan Saunders and say, all right, let's rank all these guys. Where does Ryan fall? And the gauge is simply, can you squeeze the most out of Carl Anthony Towns for the next five or ten years and mold a roster around him? Now, Saunders has been able to unlock a lot of things with Towns, but there are probably better options out there. And that's what I'm wrestling with. I wouldn't, if if they said tomorrow, Ryan Saunders, you're the head coach, I wouldn't die on the hill saying this is a terrible, dumb move. But I also wouldn't. I also wouldn't say, oh, it's a no, you have to make this happen. It's a no brainer. It's a genius move. I think he's going to be a head coach at some point, but I also think you're probably a little early on it. I would hate the move from the standpoint only of that you're taking that decision out of the hands of the next GM or president but, of basketball operations, and whatever the, we're calling And it. therein lies the problem, gentlemen. I give you from David Shama's uh, column that he does online after talking last week to, drum roll please, Glenn Taylor. Shama writes, so, so there's a good chance that Saunders becomes the head coach this spring. Question mark, and Taylor answers, I think that's fair. He he is sure the leading candidate at this point because we haven't talked to anybody else. I'm not sure if others will be interviewed. We'll see how that ends up at the end of the year, but I certainly want to give him every opportunity that we can. And Rami just said the absolute key thing, which is if Glenn Taylor is really thinking about naming a head coach and then bringing in a GM after he decides on the head coach, that to me is absolute and not shocking. So I'm not going there because there's nothing that Glenn's going to do that's going to shock me, but it's illogical. It makes no sense. And as far as what you read uh, from Britt, and Britt's a great basketball uh, mind and a great basketball guy, the rotation thing is probably absolutely true to saddle anybody. And that's Ryan Saunders, that is Red Arbuck, that is Phil Jackson with Andrew Wiggins, and you're not doing this. There's no answer there. Ryan's trying his hardest, I think, to play this kid to show that, that he can coach him. And he's not coachable. It's not going to work. So so to me, the, that's why it goes back to what we've been talking about here for a few weeks, which is the Wiggins um, issue has to be addressed and subtracted. Like it can't, it can't be on the table. If if the mandate for any coach, and this includes Ryan Saunders, if the mandate is Ryan, I need you, I need you next year to get the most out of this kid, and you have to do that. I say, then you know what? This is not the job. I think that I think that e- I think that edict has been handed down, and I think some some coaches around the NBA would be in the position to say, you know what? I can't do that to say exactly what you just said. This probably ain't the job for but me. But the long term job, I don't think it's. I don't think you take that job 
if if the, because you are going to fail. If you're Ryan Saunders, though, and any 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 NBA head coaching job at this point is a job that you take in in actuality, and especially the job that you grew up watching your father do. You I'm know sorry. what I mean? You I don't turn do it. it down because I can't do the it. caveat of unlocking Andrew Wiggins is attached to it. Yeah, he wouldn't turn it down. You just do everything you can to unlock Andrew Wiggins and hope that hope that if that doesn't happen, they give up on him before they give up on you. I would rather bank on myself and knowing that, that if I get the right team, and by right team, I'm talking this team minus one player, I don't. I am not going to take a job that I. If, if I'm told that I have to play, if this guy has to start, he's being paid like it. He's being paid like a star. He has to start. I am undermining my chance to be successful. If I have confidence in myself that that to Phil's point, I'm going to get a job. Then I say, Glenn, no, nah, it's not. It, it can't be done. Do you guys really think? Because I'm not going to do it. I don't know if I buy this. I, I do. You really think that Glenn Taylor is telling Ryan Saunders? You have to play no, Andrew Wiggins thirty five no, minutes a game. I don't think he is. I think I think Ryan's trying to prove to Glenn that part of of what's going to make Ryan good is the fact that he can get the most from this guy consistently. I think it's an un yeah. unspoken. Here's what I can do. But the reality is, this is a blessing in the sense that Ryan is seeing it can't be done. So do you really? And and I know it's I know it's a. A good job. It's an NBA job. But do you really want, if you are banking on, on yourself and saying, I'm going to be successful someday soon in this league, do you want it to be tied to that anchor? I I get what you guys are saying, and I don't 1,000% disagree, but I also think if I am a really confident kid, and I know I'm going to get a job, and I know that when I get that job, I want to have that job for a long time and be as successful as possible. And Cat yeah. is and Cat is a great player. Having Cat would, would be fantastic. But if I feel the mandate's going to be, we're stuck with him, so you got to play him. I'm sorry. I'm saying no. See, I think what I would have tried to do, and it's tough because when you your first instinct when you take over the job, if you're Ryan Saunders, is to say, hey, I can unlock this guy. And the first game out of the gate, Wiggins goes out and grabs a bunch of rebounds and scores 30-plus points and has that fire lit under him. But then when it became pretty obvious a couple weeks later, all right, like he's just the same guy. Don't you have to pivot away from playing him that many minutes? And Because if if your first attempt to show off as a as a coach is, hey, I can unlock this guy and it's not working after two weeks, don't you then have to pivot to, all right, we're going to reduce this guy's minutes, and I'm going to show you what I can do when he's not on the court. I'm going to show you what I can do when it's a, a, a couple second round picks over here and a ten day contract guy there, and I'm going to I'm going to actually coach these guys up. And I've got Carl Anthony Towns. Yes. And now, in fairness, Saunders has done a wonderful job getting the ball to Towns on a regular basis. They run the offense through him on a much more regular basis than they did under Tom Thibodeau. His numbers have exploded. He's taken it to teams that he wasn't taking it to the first two or three years of his career. And, you know, he's going to wind up with, if you just look at his numbers post-Jimmy Butler, he's going to wind up with some pretty absurd numbers in almost every category. And Ryan Saunders is a large part of, I think, unlocking some of that. So he deserves some credit there, too. He can clearly connect with players. But if it was just Coach A and it wasn't Ryan Saunders, would he have done enough in the last two months to make you say, yep, it would be a mistake to not rip the interim tag. I want to know who's behind door number two, three, and four here before I say, ah, it's not Ryan Saunders. Because if it's just a, you know, if it's just a bunch of, you know, uh, has-beens and recycled guys, if it's Jeff Van Gundy or Ryan mm-hmm. Saunders, I'm I'm picking Ryan Saunders. I don't I don't need 
I don't need the guy who's been a broadcaster for the last 10 years, for instance. And that's a name that's been bandied about a couple different times the last five years. In connection to the Wolves? Yes. I've heard his name with other teams. I didn't know he had been connected to the Wolves. Before Tibbs, yeah. yep. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Jeff Van Gundy doesn't do a whole lot for me. But how could it not? That's the but type of I, name I, that Glenn Taylor would go for. But how, how can you not? Hire a GM first. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm with you completely. There. First thing you got to do is hire a GM or president. Of, uh, I used this term the other day with Phil for the first time. A organizational architect, because I don't even know <laughs> what label they're putting on people anymore. They're GMs, they're presidents. No way. So organiz, like, organizational architect. I like that. You yeah. need to hire a a mastermind organizational architect for this team, and then go from there. And if that guy thinks he has something in Ryan Saunders. Great, but I, I, I've always, always despised the, the, the idea of hiring a GM and telling him, here is your coach. Can I give you my fear now with, with Glenn? Because I could see this post-Tibbs absolutely being the case. My fear has become this. Because Ryan seems like a great guy. Young guy, moldable, listens, tells Glenn, Glenn, here's our game plan tonight. You know, where Tibbs was like, Get the hell out. So my fear has become that Glenn now is going to pivot back into what Glenn likes the most, which is comfort, right? Okay, I got Ryan. Ryan's my coach. So if I can get Fred as the GM Mm -hmm. and Fred takes the job, now we've got a two. Now we got everybody who I know, and I can wander into their office or vice versa, and we could talk about what we're going to do against the Hawks on Thursday night. And Glenn loved that about Flip. And Flip was a very smart guy and a good coach. But but now, if you go to that structure again, Phil, we, we get back into what we had for so long. Yeah. And at times it worked, and lots of times it didn't, which was which is Wolves' comfort zone. It's it not always super professional, but Glenn is happy. My fear is post-Tibbs, he's going to revert back to Glenn comfort zone. Yeah, comfort zone has been the absolute... Just con- consistent theme with him hiring people, right? And and the the flip comfort zone paid off because flip. That's Saunders what I was was I'm the, not criticizing that one, but yep. he does. But there have been times where it's been a comfort zone, and you're saying to yourself, "This is probably not the best thing for the organization." Yeah, I just did a little uh, little crunching here too. It's time for our monthly update on where does Andrew Wiggins rank among his <laughs> NBA contemporaries here? So 514 players have suited up and played a minute. <laughs> In an NBA contest this year. All right, 514. 514. So when I give you these rankings, keep in mind, it's out of all 514 players. Can we guess? Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I mean, we might as well make this official guess, if Rami. we want to. Okay. All right. All right let, me, uh, let me just fire up a little. I'm assuming there's music for this. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I feel like now you guys are going to overshoot a little bit, but. It'll be fun, though. So, again, 514 players have suited up in an NBA game, and that counts... Literally everybody. Like, if you played, if you are, uh, I'm just trying to find a random name here. Jody Meeks played 24 minutes over two games for the Raptors, and that was it. Like, that guy's on this list, okay? Free throw percentage. Andrew Wiggins, where does he rank among 514 in free throw percentage? I'm going to say 350. I'm going to go 410. Oh, you guys, too pessimistic. 335. Rami was very close. Rami, gets, Rami yeah. wins that round. Congratulations, Rami. Thank you, sir. All right, what about player efficiency rating? Player efficiency rating. Out of how many players again? 514. I feel like you should be using a game show host voice right now. Out of 514, I'm going to say he is 420th. 
Oh, he was really he sucks. I'm gonna go four seventy five. It's only three hundred. Mm. Only three hundred. So he's really? he's he's bottom half wow. of the league in player efficiency rating. Be worse than that. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, what about if effective field goal percentage? Effective field oh, goal he's, percentage. He's not effective. How efficient are you shooting the basketball? I'm gonna say three eighty. Three eighty. I'm gonna go even lower. I'm gonna say four ten. Four twenty five. Wow. What about win shares? Per 48 minutes, so we equal the playing field among those who haven't played as many minutes. That's an oxymoron for Andrew Wiggins. Where does Andrew Wiggins rank among win shares per 48? Hmm, four, 450. Do, 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 387. 438. Out of 514. You know you're Andrew Wiggins, Rami. <laughs> and what about this measurement? Value over replacement player. Don't ask me how they calculate it, but yes... And by the way, value over replacement player, in case you're wondering, is that even a thing? Is it accurate? The top is James Harden, Greek Freak, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis. Are the Seems about winner. right. So it's like it's probably measuring the Seems league correctly. Like they've right? cracked that code. Where does Wiggins rank among 514? Well, Phil. Thanks, gonna- thanks Rami. <laughs> <laughs> Say 430. 500. <laughs> 507. Yes, wow. I come back from nowhere. Wow. I don't know if I win, but I come back out of nowhere. Seven. You know, you know what we learned here, Judd? There are no winners when we're talking about Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> no. That's what we learned here. Well, I think about that. Uh, oh, man. Five, 507? It's aggressive. Oh, my gosh. We have an aggressive Roycey take to get to and some Vikings news and notes. Watch them all. The thing I keep hearing about Miguel Sano is he gets it when it comes to conditioning and nutrition. Do you believe that he gets it there? It would be great for the twins if that's the case. But I think you're kind of just rooting for that look. It's possible that Sano has sort of had this light bulb moment, but we just can't know for certain until months later, maybe years later, in fact. I'm just a little bit skeptical right now after the number of times I've heard that. Touch them all! Touch them all. Here, score north. ScoreNorth.com football <laughs> a few little uh, vikings tidbits here for you gentlemen just gonna throw these out and you guys tell me uh, what you think here amir abdullah former second round pick out of nebraska was once maybe in line to be the Lions' starting running back a few years ago vikings brought him on halfway through the year he was their kick returner mm-hmm. in the second half of the season they signed him to a one-year contract today amir abdullah back as a backup running back the offense is fixed all set. That's all. That's all the help Kirk Cousins needed, right there. Mir Abdullah. Make the Rick fold. laugh again. <laughs> Just poke him. That's all I got for okay. this move. He signed him. He's like, <laughs> all right, got to do something, I guess. Can Abdullah play guard? That's the question. Probably. Can he gain not. about a hundred pounds? He seems a little undersized to me. Be tough for him. Short Danny arm. Isadora. Right now, your only guard under contract. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the right. Type up strategy going into the no, season. No, you don't be, think that's a good idea. No. Okay. You know who's not laughing, Rick? No, <laughs> sounds like he is. Stand corrected. Yeah. Stand corrected. What about Anderson Dejo to the Eagles? So we knew Anderson Dejo was gone, but now he's officially gone. He's taken his talent to Philadelphia. That happened today. One year contract. Um, best of luck to him. I think that's a guy who still has some good football in him, though. I mean, he's got a few 15-yard penalties, unnecessary <laughs> roughness penalties you know in him, he right? Was, he was absolutely fine, but I don't see this as, as a loss. I just don't. Not like an all-pro, but he has some he has some serviceable years left in he's him. He's serviceable, right. right. 
He's a good football player. He also puts the kamikaze tackle ahead of all logic and Let me say this. I worry about his post-career, like when, when he turns 50 or so. I would be concerned. Yeah, it's like the way the, he plays the game would would concern you. It's like the league pump the brakes on old school, yeah. hard nosed tackling and helmet to helmets, and Anderson Deho just ignored the memo. <laughs> That's mark my words. His downfall. He's a guy whose career will end either in the XFL or the Alliance. He'll kill, he'll try and keep playing. Okay. And then a couple uh, offensive line uh, moves to note, neither of which are beneficial to the Vikings necessarily, unless you are one okay is, with these guys leaving. One is what, very beneficial. Tom Compton yes. to the Jets. Best of luck to him. Okay. That's beneficial to the Vikings. And Nick Easton to the Saints on a four-year contract over the weekend, $24 million. Now, didn't we hear before the weekend that the Vikings did make an offer to Nick Easton? Yep. Yes. Okay. And the Saints made a better offer, apparently. All right. Or they offer Teddy Bridgewater. Their, their center the retired don't. on Friday, I think. Yeah, Max Hunger retired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so he, he is, uh, I believe he's initially, because he got a, uh, as you just said, four-year contract, I think he's initially slated to start at center now for them. Okay. So that's, that's I mean, free agency has definitely slowed down across the league, and it's been slow for the Vikings, but here they sit with the least amount of cap room of any team in the NFL and one offensive guard. And no kicker. They need a kicker, too. No, yeah, they need a few things done. I gotta believe that they're in negotiations either to restructure Rudolph or to trade Trey Waynes, if not both, to free up some money to do some more things in this the secondary wave of free agency. Yeah, it just seems they, they have to be. I mean, the seven million dollars that they have left is barely enough to pay their draft picks, and that won't even fill the rest of the roster. The holes that they have, there has to be. Some sort of move on the horizon. Yeah, it, it would seem odd if they just like, oh my God, plan A, B, and C went awry, and what do we do? And we got right? Barback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Who would have thought? Oh it? God. <laughs> Who would have thought? We got Anthony Barback. But you can uh, you can read actually Matthew Collar, and now that Nick Easton's off the board, he has uh, ten offensive or is it ten? He's got a list of offensive linemen that are still out there that make some sense for the Vikings if they can find money for those offensive linemen. That's the key. Going through the pillow cushions. Yeah. Is there change in the lobby couch? Hey, I found a million bucks. All right, awesome. Go send a kicker with it. Okay. Uh, So, hey, we, throughout the week, a couple things. Next Thursday, we're going to be doing our shows live at Kieran's across the field, across the street, essentially, from Target Field. So, Score North is going to be live from noon until 6 o'clock. Come hang out with us. Uh, Come uh, cheers a beer with us throughout the day. If you're around, you can come and, and hang out. Oh, we'll be drinking while we're on the air. I mean, you know, keep it on the down though. All right, but just don't get don't get arrested. Okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> I would ne- I would never do such. Sounds a thing. like a plan. <laughs> never ever ever. Uh, but throughout the week, we're going to be giving away tickets all this week on our show on Score North Live with Matthew Collar and also on Touch Them All. We just have a bunch of pairs of tickets to give away to Twins Opening Day. But you got to earn it. You got to answer trivia uh, trivia questions correctly. So I've got one teed up here, pun intended. All right. Um, who has the most among hitters in Twins history? And let's just go, Jonathan, the first caller to answer this correctly at 651-646-8255 gets the pair of tickets. Which Twins hitter has struck out the most in Twins history? So which Twins hitter has struck out the most in Twins history? I'm going to give Jonathan the answer. Got that? 651-646-8255 651-646-8255 if you want to win the tickets. And if you're watching on Twitch and you can read my mouth, then you know the answer. So I love how we in. turned off all the mics and you still whispered it into the talkback yeah. button to Jonathan. <laughs> like just, just in case something was going to pick it up. 
Hey, hey, here's the answer, Jonathan. <laughs> it's Miguel Sano. It yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's Sano. He's probably pretty close, right? Here's a hint. It's if not healthy, Miguel Sano, but he's definitely he on pace. No, because it's Byron Buxton. <laughs> ah, why am I like that? He's on pace, too. Unnecessary drive-by shots. Yes, by yeah, they were. So uh, tee this next soundbite up for us here. Judd Zolgad. So Patrick Royce. Rami on last week's show, I believe, predicted that the Twins are going to win the division. That's correct, yes, right? Yes, I did. That okay. was one of my write-that-down predictions. Which I looked at you in, in surprise. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to MLB Network Radio on Saturday, and they were at the Cleveland Indians spring training site previewing Cleveland's season. And one of those hosts said, I'm not picking Cleveland. I'm picking the Twins. And so I'm like, okay, Rami said it. it this is getting some steam. So I mean, when I say things, people tend to pick it up. Oh, no question it. about it. I mean, they're copying just, you, right? Exactly. So, so for, for the episode of Unchained that Patrick and I taped this morning, that's going to air in its entirety at six o'clock this evening, right after our show. I asked Patrick, "You've been watching the Twins in spring training. Here's what people are starting to say. Do you agree that the Twins are candidates to overtake Cleveland and win the American League Central?" I don't know where that's coming from. I really don't. I mean, I kind of the lineup's okay, but I talked yes last year. Okay, you don't have your third baseman. Garnzali's a good player, but he's supposed to be your extra player. Mm-hmm. Polanco's ordinary. Uh, scope might not be ordinary. He might be below average. Uh, you know, Crone is, I don't know. He's, you know, they're going to be, they're not going to probably be as good at first base as they were last year. Behind the plate, they're still going to play Castro a lot. Uh, he couldn't, he can't hit. And I like the outfield, you know. I like the fact that Buxton looks better and uh, Kepler looks better and the Rosario looks better. Uh, D.H. Cruz, they're a little better with, certainly better with him. But the starting rotation, Martin Perez the other day, okay, hey, he's looked good this spring. He, well, the other day he looked horrible. He got pounded. Uh, Pineda is, looks to me like he's, you know, I know he's a huge man, but he looks like he's too huge. And he was huffing and puffing after three and two-thirds the other day. Odorizzi's a mediocre, mediocrity. And uh, so Brios and Gibby, uh, the starting rotation is not top 20 in Major League Baseball, I don't think. Do you? No. Yeah. So Not right you, now. Not as a whole. And the bullpen no. is, you know, what, what do you see in the bullpen that makes you think it's better than it was? Uh you know, I, I just don't see it. I I don't I don't know why their people are talking optimistically about them, because I think they look at the central and say, well, the White Sox are terrible, the Royals are terrible, and the Tigers are terrible, and we got to suggest, and because Cleveland is downsized, that's it. We got to come up with somebody, but this right. team is this division. This team has got a fighting chance to be seventy eight and eighty four again. I think. Other than that, things look. Right, great, and positive yeah. for the twins. Nothing wrong with the twins in Pat Royce's eyes. Okay, but so? but if you but the, here's the here's the exercise that just happened, and it's sort of a referendum on how you view the world. Really, the twins have a lot of things that could go either way. Right. There's a there's a lot of teams in baseball. The Houston Astros. When you look at, you could go up and down and say, "What's Justin Verlander going to be?" I think I have a pretty good idea. What's uh you know Chicago Cubs? What's Chris Bryant going to be like this season? Well. I'll give you a probably pretty, pretty strong indication, right? And the Twins have a lot of guys who have done something in the last three years of note offensively, 30 home runs or have an 850 OPS or whatever it is. And But but like Jonathan Scope struggled last year. Two years ago, MVP votes. And Pat looks at a Jonathan Scope 
and says, well, he was MV, an MVP candidate two years ago and then was mostly garbage last year. And Pat leans toward, well, he's probably going to be garbage again. Right. And I lean toward, oh, he's probably going to go back closer to what he was two years ago. It literally is just about how you view the world. Yeah, and I I couldn't have said it any better. It can go either way with a lot of guys around the diamond on the Twins. But when you look around and, and even if you, let's say you think best case scenario all around the diamond for the Indians, and you look around the diamond and give best case scenario all around the diamond for the Twins, Outside of shortstop and third base and maybe catcher, I think the Twins are are the team that throws out the better lineup every day on a day-in, day-out basis. If if both of these teams are hitting on every cylinder, I think the Twins put out the better lineup on an everyday basis. And yes, the Indians have pitching, but they seem anxious to get rid of the pitching. You were just reading a report coming out of Ken the Rosenthal from Ken Rosenthal saying that they're looking to trade Trevor Bauer to the Padres. Or Kluber. Or Kluber. And, and if they do that, then I don't have no clue. And they have where they're going. They have their own bullpen bullpen problems. Their bullpen absolutely fell apart last year, and then they let two of their better arms go in free agency. I I, I see what Pat is saying about the Twins. I just look at the Indians and I see a team that the arrow is pointing down. They were they were not only idle but took a step back in free agency this off season and and in the off season as a whole and. Don't seem to be headed in the right direction. Well, I think the Twins very much are headed in the right direction, and I think this may be the year where they pass each other. Yeah, the, well, the, the Indians. If you if to back, to go back to what you were saying, if you look at their the top end of all of the players on their team, well, Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez are Beast. the two best. Yes, the two best. That and, might be the best left side of an infield in the American League. Yep, it's incredible. And from a pitching standpoint, at their best, Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer and Carlos Carrasco. You, I think you would put Jose Barrios in that Carlos Carrasco territory starting this season. He's got work to do to get to that next level, which is Cy Young level, and that's where Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber are operating. But when I look at the Indians' bullpen, and their ace reliever was 36-year-old Oliver Perez at times last year. Right. And their outfield's not very good either. Yeah, it's not. So They're not. There's no dominant team in this division. That's the thing. Yes. There's no. The, the, it, it's absurd to say that the Twins belong in the same sentence as the Red Sox or the Yankees. Like that, okay. Yeah, or the we Astros. The East, if we were talking about a team in the East or even the West, I would... I, I don't even know what we'd be talking I about right the, now. I think the fair way to view life through this is that that this division has a good chance to be a dumpster fire. And the Twins might be the best team of a lot of bad teams. Because Cleveland, I don't know what they're doing now. Like, if they turn around and trade Kluber right now, then I'm at a complete loss. So if that's the case, if Cleveland's just financially strapped or something is going on where they're sort of bailing backwards themselves... I think the prism through which I view this is this division, the Twins might still be ascending up and coming for eventually, but if if they win the division with the way it's tracking right now, the division's just not good. Mm-hmm. And but what the hell, too? Couldn't you argue, too, that the Twins are placing a similar bet that the Vikings are play, uh, placing, which is it's not as much about bringing in a bunch of free agent personnel, even though the Twins did bring in a bunch of free agents. It's about... Some something systematic that raises the water level. And the Vikings are saying offensively we're going to bring in this philosophy and this blocking scheme, oh, and systematically yes. we're going to raise the water level. Very much that's what. They're and doing. the Twins are saying, well, systematically we're going to do this. We're going to bring in this type of a pitching coach, and we're going to be looking at these analytics, and we're going to be implementing these things. And we're hoping. And, and so when Pat says, look at the look at the Twins bullpen, what makes you excited about the Twins bullpen? Well, okay, does. 
does Taylor Rogers as a name make you excited if you're a Twins fan? Probably not. But, but if wasn't you, he almost untouchable for the second half of the season last year? And that's the point. Like, no, the name doesn't get you excited, but yeah. the results of whatever they had him doing in the second half of the season should get you very excited if you're a Twins the, fan. And maybe they can do that with other pitchers, too. The team that's coming in 2020, though, I think, the White Sox. They've made a lot of good trades. The White Sox, I think the White Sox are a, a year away, and I, I would not be surprised if they if they were successful in improving the roster next winter. It's not going to surprise me one bit if the White Sox in 2020 are a very good team. Yeah, that they should. They should be. They made a lot of good trades there. They did, and they they almost always do the opposite, which is they clean out their entire farm system to go get, yes. and they're, but they're like not ready to actually win, so they right. just wind up at a 500 team in the farm system, and now they finally took a step back and did it the right way. They tanked. Amen. <laughs> they tanked. I think the Sox might blow it, though, because of how hurt they were by being shunned by, says by the guy in the Cubs. Hat, says the guy in the Cubs hat. No, I don't they really... made a lot of good deals, though. They did. They got, they got maximum value, I believe, for for Eaton for sale in all those trades. Oh yeah, absolutely. They made I some great trades. trades, and a lot of those guys look like they're going to pan out. I just mean, it seems like Rakan really wants to spend money just for the sake of spending money, especially now that Manny Machado turned down what he felt like, even though it wasn't, but he felt like was a better offer than what the Padres offered. I think... He seemed to be personally offended by that, and now he's out to just spend some money at the first chance that he gets. If they do this right, I think not not getting Machado might be a blessing. Because they tried to do it this year. I, I don't know that that wouldn't have been trying to pop things a year too soon. I think if you can keep that cash, and, and as you're sending, now go out and spend it on one or two more guys, that him not going there might be the best thing that happened to the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, we will wrap with Royce when we return here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. So we've been talking about this pothole season over the past week or two, and uh, they finally put some cones up over some of the aggressive potholes that, that are on my main drive back and forth. But it's uh, it's impossible to avoid this time of year in this state. It is pothole season, and those potholes can really mess up your alignment and cause damage that you really can't even see. You, you hear the thud, and you feel it, and you're hoping, and you're crossing your fingers, but sometimes you can't see the damage that's done, and that may lead to bigger problems later on. So if you're hitting a bunch of potholes, bring your vehicle into Luther Brookdale Toyota. It's on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where I've been going since I turned 16 years old. My family's been going for 30-plus years. Uh, Go talk to Steve. Go talk to uh, my friends who have been helping me for a very long time. And and also just try to dodge those potholes, too. So uh, you don't have to wind up with major alignment damage. But just know that Luther Brookdale Toyota has your back. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Right on. And we are giving away tickets randomly and throughout multiple shows this week on Score North, including our show. Last segment, Brian and Carver was the uh, the winner. He answered correctly. Pat, we're going we're gonna to quiz you here, see if you can get this correct. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Which Twins hitter in team history has struck out the most? Uh, Harmon Killebrew. Harmon Killebrew is correct. Mm-hmm. Also hit the most home runs, I believe. That is correct. So we'll take it. We'll, we'll take it. It's a good trade-off. Uh, J- Judd chimed in with well. Miguel Sano as his guess. Yeah, that was my guess. Well, that's great. That's great. And I would say that, um, you know, Ray it's uh, pretty good. You know what? I got an observation to make here on baseball. I'm watching the uh, Reds and the uh, Rockies from Arizona here. There is no shortage of baseball 
on chunky, hard-throwing Hispanic relievers with beards. You know, we got a lot of those guys. They they bring them in one after another. Uh, Cincinnati had one pitcher, and now the Rockies got one pitcher. You know, Hispanic guys, 20 pounds heavier than they should be, glowering uh, relievers with beards. There's a lot of those guys around there. Yeah, it reminds me of what Ron Gardenhire once said about Jose Mahares at the beginning of spring training. <laughs> well, they we're, not, we're not talking about big, fat tubs like uh, Jose. <laughs> I remember uh, one, one day uh, being in the press box in, uh, in uh, Fort Myers and Jose Mahares was warming up left-handed, and I said, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he was way out of baseball. That was too bad. That kid had good arm. But anyway, so, anyway, that was my observation. So R- Rami and Rami and I are a little more optimistic about the Twins' chances than uh, than you are. It sounds like Judd played us a little well, clip. Well, no, of... I mean, I, I I think things could work out okay, but I say there's no reason to be. Uh, there's been no evidence presented yet. But uh, that is the case. At this point, they have two starting pitchers. Uh, uh, Pineda's uh, hasn't looked that good. Uh, Martin Perez is Martin Perez, and we were getting all excited about him. And then they were sitting 900 foot home runs off him the other day. They said he was working on a pitch. Well, don't throw that one anymore, Martin. Or Martin, <laughs> whichever one you were throwing, don't, don't throw that one again. Whatever it was, the one that went over into where the cows used to stand <laughs> and behind the left field fence. So I just think that they, I don't know where would, I said to Judd, I don't think they have a top 20 starting rotation. So, so what's that? Where does that put you? I mean, right now, I think they'd have to get very lucky, I think. That said, uh, Barrios looked good today. And uh, the, uh, I guess the uh, Red Sox ace team, he uh, threw the ball well, and the besties looked this spring. And in general, they played uh, really well. They played well in the field. And C.J. Uh, Crowley, he can, he's pretty good at first base. He, he, can, he can pick it over there. So yeah, I, I'm not totally pessimistic. I just don't see any. i, I got to see more than I'm seeing down here. There's going to be excited about him, that's for sure. Yeah, if anything makes me question how how well the Twins will do this year, it's certainly the pitching. But what what gives me some optimism is I look at the Indians, Pat, and outside of their pitching, I really don't see a whole lot. And just their starting pitching, their bullpen is as bad off as the Twins, if not worse. I don't see a whole lot from the Indians that scares me outside of that starting pitching staff. Well, I think that's why, as I said to Jed today on the on the podcast, was that I think that's why people are scrounging around looking for another alternative to players uh, uh, that could possibly win the AL Central, and with the White Sox, the Royals, uh, and uh, the White Sox, Royals, and uh, Detroit as the other options, they uh, they basically uh, you know. Decided that okay, well the Twins are better than those two teams, so maybe that's the team to look for. I don't know. I don't think it's been bad. I just, you know, I, I it, well, baseball is what last year at this time, Tampa Bay was going to lose a hundred games and they won ninety. Yep. Uh, I mean, we we got our three or four teams that we know are going to be good, and we got our four or five or six we know are going to be bad. And there's all these teams in between, and it depends on how things break for you. And they, they could break right for them. But 
just say, hey, they're going to be good. They're going to be a contender. That, that's just hope. Uh, that's, uh, that's not based on anything that we're seeing right now. Is Rick going to be courtside, Patrick? Cheering on his son there as they show him 74 times what, Thursday? What, He's got to be there. What's your read on that, Phil? Uh, Rick, Rick show up to watch the Got I you. said, I think not only does he show up, I think he has the uh, a Dumb and Dumber-like suit on with the Goldie head on and and stands up <laughs> five times to uh, spin, spin his head. head. Yeah. I think yeah. this is this is this is such a perfect. If you're Rick Pitino, it's a perfect chance to disguise hating Louisville for cheering for your son. Right? Like you can go. Yeah, yeah, that could be yes. Oh, see, I don't know. Are Louisville fans down on him or down on Louisville for getting rid of him? Or what, what's the deal? I, mean, I don't know where he stands with the Louisville fans. Because generally speaking, I mean, the LSU fans are very supportive of Will Wade, even though he's on the telephone talking about uh, how much the guy's going to cost him. You know? I mean, it, it, it's so, I, I don't know. You know, Louisville fans certainly have reasons to... Uh, Rick, yes. Yeah, the brother happened. was in a chicken suit. That was yeah. fantastic. Rick could wear the chicken suit, baby. Yeah. That would be good. That would be good. That'd be a good touch. Right, what, time, uh, what time are we playing that contest on Thursday? 11-15th, the first game. Yeah. The first game yeah. of the tournament. Yeah. Junior time, yes. Oh, they want to get it off the really. The Gophers can win that game. Louisville's not that good. Yeah, Louisville's, but, uh, they're like 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, and the way Coffee and uh, Murphy have been playing. Uh, Coffee is... Coffee all of a sudden decided that, uh, that what, the last two and a half weeks that he wanted to be uh, one of the better guards in the Big Ten again, which he had a chance to be, but he had a long snooze uh, during the regular season. But he's a, he's a very talented guy, and he's playing that way now. And Murphy's, of course, a warrior, so they got those two guys. Pat, I'm a little worried if they advance far enough in the bracket that you're not going to be able to double-team Zion Williamson effectively. Yeah, that could be bad. That could be bad. They got mats. What are you talking about? They got mats, Pat. That's true. Come on. Take a charge. Take a charge on this guy. (laughs) Throw throw a Duke. Throw a Dukey defense at him. And just the first time he gets the ball, three guys hit the floor. Maybe they'll call a charging ball. But uh, he do like the dunk. You know what? Is he going to be an NBA star? I'm not sure. I mean, I'll take that bet. Mats think, or Zion? Who, who oh, are we talking about? I think we're talking about Zion. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I would take oh, that bet also. Monster, but he's a monster, but yeah. he's not a shooter. He's not a shooter, right? Mm. Ben, Simmons, ben Simmons can't shoot either. Giannis though. can't shoot. Yeah. yeah but, but Simmons handles the ball better than this guy. This guy's just the last 10 feet to the basket. Your life's in danger. That's uh, that's the deal with him. And, and he can rebound. I mean, that, yeah, I, I obviously you've got to be impressed with him. But is he going to rip up the NBA because he can't shoot? And he's not a ball handler either. He's just a monster. I don't think he's in danger of being Anthony Bennett. We'll put it that way. Or how about Derek Williams? He'll be better than Derek Williams, too. Derek Williams, yeah. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for bringing that (laughs) one up. Appreciate that. Pat, what's your best Roycey Unchained uh, tease here for, uh, for five minutes from now? Well, we uh, we actually talked quite a bit of baseball again today, and I uh, talked you know, talk Gopher, and uh, I give you a prediction on the Gopher game, and uh, what the what, couple things that 
I'm irritated about with uh, Major League Baseball. I feel like yeah. So they uh, and we have a little fun with the great umpire Angel Hernandez oh and gosh. baseball responding to him being a complete idiot by suspending the manager for uh, for an exhibition game, which of course is. Maybe when you suspend a guy just for an exhibition game, you're sending the message to Aaron that you that you think he's an idiot. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, that's. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. That's an amazing. AJ Hinch said, "Thank you very much. I'll take the day off. I'm yeah. going to the beach. Yeah, See you yeah. guys later. I'm going yeah. to Tiki Bar." If you haven't seen AJ Hinch and his level-headed assessment of, of uh, Angel Hernandez over the weekend, there's a video. Go find it. Pat, we'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya. All right. See ya, Pat. You got to wrap with it. Royce's phone was a little... He's muffled, and then his phone was it muffled. Sounds like a, it sounds like he's, he's on, on a Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris special brick phone. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you see the phone? Like, this huge old brick phone? He's at the max right now. He's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, Kelly. I got to go on the radio. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, don't judge me, but I follow Mario Lopez on Instagram. Why? Why would I, ju- why would I judge you? Randomly, he ran into... Mark Paul Gosler at Disney World this weekend. Really? Or was well, it they, Disneyland? Probably in L.A. So Disney They were Land. working out together like a m- month and a half ago. Oh, really? They, yeah, yeah. How it, do you it know was, that? It, it was do be- you also follow Mario Lopez? I follow him on Twitter. It, it was he before, just follows him. It was before he went. It was before. <laughs> General, Mar- in real Mario life. was about to have some type of surgical procedure done or something, and so they went out and wor- worked out or something. Yeah, yeah. Dustin I, Diamond wasn't there? Dustin's been cut out, man. They're not, he ain't part of the cl- the clique no more. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Dustin Diamond was, I think, his Here's last was He's uh, making sex tapes and stabbing people. Yeah, he stabbed yeah. someone in a Wisconsin bar, right? Yeah. Packer fan. More on that tomorrow. Why, Mr. Belding? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.